Welcome to the Cincy Postcast. I am your host, Kevin Wallace, and we have a great episode lined up for you today. We've got Jonah here talking FCC headlines. The Chief and Grayson are back after their hosting duties uh, for this one as well. We are talking DC United FC Cincinnati in part two. We're looking a little bigger picture. Did the announcers give us a clue as to whether or not you're some mascara? can stay the whole season and then finally we wrap it up with a little open cup preview of new york city fc that's gonna be your postcast Oh, and joining me to talk about all of that and more. And yes, it is me this time. You've got Kevin Wallace here. And we, I am joined by the, the merry band that, that took over the pod last week, Chief Grayson. Jonah is here as well with uh, headlines. But Chief, I got to ask you, how did it feel filling into the host seat? Um, The power was intoxicating. <laughs> the needing to be up for hours after the recording was over trying to fix my garbage audio and make it listenable not so much so I, I'm, not I'm as hope- easy as it looks huh no no it turns out i'm just feeding you shit in digital form and you're somehow making it listenable i don't know how that's no, possible no no i appreciate no. how hard it is which is why i didn't volunteer to do it <laughs> no nothing was more eye-opening uh to how well Jonah had KLR running than the one time I I filled in for Jonah. And um, yeah, I think I recorded for 45 minutes and spent four hours editing. That was a blast. So Jonah, do you miss those late nights uh, taking out every um and inhale? (laughs) No. And you were doing it on Audacity, which is a freeware program that anyone could download. (laughs) It's not really meant for uh, anything beyond that. So props to you, Kevin. No, I've uh, finally tricked Adobe into thinking I'm a teacher, and so I've got the creative suite for a a reasonable price these days. So, (laughs) oh, man. Uh, So, yeah, we've got to talk about this this game, FC Cincinnati 2, DC United 1, Uh, FC Cincinnati still clinging to the top of the table, although tied on points and therefore second with New England Revolution following this game. Um, I guess we'll just run through this here. Uh, Before the game, the lineups come out. Brenner on the bench and Powell starting instead of Ray Gaddis out on that right wing backside. Yeah, I think I said that right. I always mess that up. Um, anybody, uh, anybody, come across anything with Brenner on the bench or? Uh, I did or find a, I did find this that was on uh, Breitbart regarding the lineup as well. <laughs> Fox News finds their man Alvis Powell to replace Tucker Carlson after displaying attacking mentality on the right. <laughs> he also already has a uh, history of replacing a Tucker in that Ray got his tucks his shirt in so there you go (laughs) i was was thinking about a a different kind of tucker but (laughs) we won't go there we we agreed before recording we weren't gonna go there so i guess i guess this does beg the question does pat noonan listen to the postcast because i believe that it was one mr kevin wallace's breakdown of what's wrong with the fc cincinnati offense and pointed directly to 
the lack of production coming from Ray Gaddis in the black hole on the right side of the lineup. And then conveniently a week later, um, we see Alvis Powell and almost immediately in this game asserts his attacking prowess going forward on the right-hand side and acres of space because I think teams are just used to the idea that nothing happens over there. It's like the dark lands in the Lion King. <laughs> we don't uh, also, go there. <laughs> I also think we talked about potentially trying balls over the top more. And I think that they looked a little dangerous early in the game with try, just trying to go over top of the defense. And it didn't come off because, you know, the touch didn't come down super clean when they did it. But I felt like, yeah, that was promising, although they didn't really stick with it. I'm uh, I'm happy to take credit here. Um, so just As to be clear, should. but uh, it is possible that we have a pretty good coach who is also capable of identifying <laughs> relatively obvious uh, concerns. Um, I, Not all I'm, can, though. We've seen in the past. So. <laughs> that is sadly true. Um, or like sometimes you, you ask coaches, you know, why are you playing Kubo out of position? And they say, who's out of position? <laughs> <laughs> What's his position? Okay, man. All right. Like, <laughs> you know what you're doing. It's like, okay, Socrates, kiss my ass. All right. <laughs> oh man, no, that was uh, that was a good call, and I I do think the offense completely uh, flourished because of that. Um, there's not really a good time to bring this up, so I'll bring this up now. Vasquez still not doing it, and I'm starting to think just his performance might be the biggest thing holding back this team right now. I, uh, you know? I saw, a, I saw a headline on that. It was a, and I think it's maybe not as dire as, as you think, because this was actually a, a promoted post on LinkedIn. Um, <laughs> that sounds pretty wait, dire. Hold on, wait, I, 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 I've seen this before. Brandon Vasquez was the person doing the job interview. <laughs> so, thank you for applying we've received many qualified applicants and we will contact you if, if a position opens up that meets your qualifications brandon vasquez is hopeful for call up soon after a recent message from u.s soccer <laughs> there was another similar one not really similar at all. this is in variety magazine uh they're not just talking about the writer's strike there's other stuff going on baywatch nights Hoffenheim pulls out, but Hasselhoff puts in. Former TV star offers $200 for Vasquez to join Mitch Buchanan FC, his co-ed indoor soccer team. So, not all is lost. Yes, I had to wiki Mitch Buchanan. I did not remember David Hasselhoff's Baywatch character, but... Uh, It'd be kind of yeah, weird I mean, if like, the thing you remembered from Baywatch was David Hasselhoff's character. <laughs> Actually, Mitch, now that I'm saying just Mitch, it, it, it translates, but Mitch... Buchanan, that would have been a deep, dark, sad pull for me. You weren't, you weren't getting that far. Uh, this <laughs> no. is probably the only time I'll, I'll get to mention this on the podcast, but David Hasselhoff follows me on Twitter and has for like <laughs> 10 years back when, I guess, like 
it was new and celebrities are just following random people, but somehow I've managed to stay in his list no matter how much he's called it. So I think he still is following tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people, but I've I've made the cut all these years. <laughs> and you haven't once tried sliding into the DMs to get him on the postcast? I mean, our that's, numbers in Germany would go through the roof. That's how he knows that he's following <laughs> me. Um, you know, for the longest time too, Carl Rove followed me for, I think, much the same reason. He did did eventually drop me though so that was that was disappointing Thirty-six thousand. how many is following that's pretty good that's lower than i would have thought speedway still following me i'm one of 706 <laughs> so that one feels that's that one incredible. feels a little better i dm'd them immediately after that uh, but that first is just like my catchphrase but like the first 20 minutes i'd say before dc kind of figured out what was going on we were looking we've had a few of these where like like, oh this is the team that we are they were sending long balls we were controlling it and i believe the possession up to that point was like 70 30 yeah and um it felt all of it like they hadn't gotten in the box at all they hadn't gotten really in the final third except like right at the beginning of the game and it's only that looking back, we're like, ah, we really kind of fell off after that. And they were holding on like a Chiefs tweet. We were just holding on for dear life after that. But, you know, they give us enough to be like, oh, they're going to figure it out. But like Lucho stays kind of mid. Vasquez doesn't have it together. Um, so there's, yeah, it's there, but it's not there yet. It, it, what's, in, what's interesting about it, too, is, you know, talking about this first half. The possession was completely one-sided, like you said, for those first 20 minutes. And then it was almost like DC got into their offensive game plan. And what that was is just at every opportunity, we are going to attempt to get the ball to Christian Benteke. Every single <laughs> yes. time, we are going mm -hmm. to cross the ball in. And it just, very few of them were dangerous. But when you see that many crosses going in over and over and over again, you just get the feeling it's MLS. At some point, a defender is going to be in the wrong place and you're going to concede a goal doing that. So I guess it felt a lot worse than it really was going back and watching it again. But yeah, after those first 20 minutes, it definitely felt like FC Cincinnati, like we were holding on and we needed the halftime whistle to regroup badly was the takeaway that I had watching this half. Yeah, I I never really felt like they were that dangerous, but it was funny going back, and if you just watch the highlights package, it is nothing but DC highlights in the first half. I don't even think we have a single highlight in the first half from uh from from apple and it's weird because it was just not how i remembered that game going i felt like we were absolutely on the front foot most of the the first half and towards the end absolutely we were lucky to get out of there uh nil nil but yeah it was just weird that it we felt like we dominated so much but nothing really to show for it i'm not sure if they even got you know, much of a, a shot off in that first half. Um, it's pretty ben boring. Teke, first half. Um, yeah. Big dude. Also, he, yeah. when he was standing next to mascara, his head was like twice as big as mascara. <laughs> He's got a huge <laughs> noggin and he looks like a guy who just like, if you're bumping up against him, it's going to hurt. Like mm -hmm. just his body is, I'm, he's probably inflicting pain. And you, you can see Haglin was giving it his all. It wasn't like playing Zlatan who was going like 40% on the nipper turf like he was yeah. getting his on they all were getting their money's worth and that was i saw mascara in the second half lose his first headed duel 
that I've ever seen. <laughs> and it was versus him. And I was like, OK, I'm not too upset about that. It didn't <laughs> it wasn't didn't lead to anything. But, yeah, basically, like Chief said, everything was like a layoff from him and a couple better shots from their wingers or whoever he was laying it off to. You know, it could have easily been. It, it helped in them. the it helped in the first half too that uh that Taxi Fuentes did not have a good first half for DC. He grew into the game as it went along and finally got the goal for them later on, what we'll talk about. But yeah, it, it felt like they were they were desperate to get Benteke involved. And they had an interesting stat that was on the broadcast about this. Benteke has played every minute for DC United this year. Wow. So Miazga has played every minute for us, but Benteke has played every minute for them. And that's just sort of, you think about a big, like European, you know, back end of his career a little bit, or, you know, coming to MLS out, off of playing in Europe at the Premier League. That's not the guy that you would expect is going to be seeing 90 minutes a game in MLS. So, you know, good on him, I guess. There was a, the guy sitting like two seats down for me is, uh, it's a, you know, kind of, kind of a, a friend of mine, but um, I, he leaned over to me at like the 60th or 70th minute. And he was like, is that, is that Christian Benteke? <laughs> yeah. 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 It was, it's been him the whole time, but yeah, no, I, I thought he was, I thought he was, uh, I thought he looked dangerous. I thought they did a nice job defending him, you know, but you could tell, you could tell they were, they were working, you know, and I got personally nervous every time he got the ball in the box. Yeah, I don't know if you guys watched his goal the previous week where he he did almost the exact same move to us in this game where he kind of he, he juggles it a little bit to himself and then flips yeah. it up for the uh the bicycle kick and it's just very impressive. Uh and he said in an interview that like coming to MLS was the first career move he's ever made for him. And he's the happiest he's ever been. And I was like, Oh shit, this guy's really found himself here in America. <laughs> this is the perfect setup for us to get, get dunked on. Um, the only other highlight I have in the first half and, and please stop me if anybody found any other highlights before then, but uh, Lucho Acosta getting, I think a yellow card for confronting the ref can yeah, a was... one man mass confront i think he I... didn't so he was told to back off from the kick okay and then he didn't okay and what enough. happened what happened when the ref's back was turned was whoever was taking the kick clitch maybe uh walked because one of the dc players shoved him right before he got told by the ref to back off the first time Mm-hmm. And then after when the ref turned his back to, to talk to somebody else, I think it was Klitsch came and shoved Lucho back and Lucho got mad at that and stood his ground and the ref turned around. And my perception was that he saw Lucho had not given the space that he had instructed him to give. Okay. Don't say the ref. Come on. We all know. Just we got to call him by call me by my name. We all know he's not any old ref, right? I did find a I did found a Goodreads interview um about that with 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 ref uh, Guido Gonzalez. Um he had just read uh, Viet Thanh wins the sympathizer and he was asked uh uh what he learned from that book that he applied to his daily life and he said while it is better to be loved than hated, it is also far better to be hated than to be ignored. 
There was this in uh, the New York Times about him. It said, the messy of refereeing, Guido sends personalized yellow cards to all 50,000 players he's issued them to across his storied career. So (laughs) (laughs) it's it's exciting when you get in the mail and you get that yellow card. I remember this one. What do we have? We have with six or five. I thought I thought it kind of six. Now I'm looking and I think he gave us five. five and he gave DC three. I checked the box score earlier today. The man loves a, yellow cards. I did see a story about our buddy Guido and his match performance in a uh, famous FCC publication, Broadway World. <laughs> I believe that Guido's making it up again. Guido Gonzalez recaptures villain status by handing out yellow cards two by two as he attempts to book more men. There you <laughs> go. You really brought that so, on there, buddy. So I, I also saw a Broadway World headline. This one was just more about the first half. More about the first half generally. It was, uh, Mama, that bored me. Fans spend first act whispering all that's known about the bitch of living through FC scoring ro- scoring woes, hoping for the guilty ones slumping to find their spring awakening. Wow, I would have wouldn't have known as so you hit me with the title. Of one of uh, one of my brother's favorite musicals, though. So. Yeah, it's about uh, underage sex. Yeah, he'd appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> Ludo, Guido was a fan of fucking us last night, so why not? Yeah. We're in the ballpark. We got three in two minutes. <laughs> yeah. Kubo, Brenner, Celentano. Spamming yellow cards out like Stone Cold hitting the stunner in the 90s. Uh, I, I do think there was another highlight that's worth highlighting in the first half, which Please. is one of, the, one of the strangest plays I have ever seen in a soccer game where um, Alvaro Barial ends up going 1v1 yes, with the keeper. Okay. Yes, yes. Um, about 100 yards outside <laughs> of the box. <laughs> the uh, DC United's keeper then engages in a two-handed shove, attempting to shove Barry yes. out to the ground. Fails. Doesn't get like the call, doesn't get a foul. And then what is like chaos is, is FCC attempts to get the ball in position to shoot on a wide open net and can't do it. I've never seen anything like this before. <laughs> that deserved to be in the highlights somehow. Yeah, right. Or at least just like, I, I think his name is Tyler Miller. It's just yeah. like baiting FCC the entire game. I think he spent more time outside of his box than in the six yard box. Like I, I feel very confident about that. Like this he, is relevant to our incel conversation all the time that he spent outside the box. Yes. He was, <laughs> he was involuntarily outside of the box. <laughs> on that uh, note, I did see a, uh, a story about this on um, adult video weekly. He's got a future in guy, girl, girl features. Brazzers touts new signing after watching DC United's Miller flash rare box to box ability for a keeper. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> they had another one in Bon Appetit. Did you guys see this? Mm. Uh, ketchup fart in the Bailey. Goalkeeper Tyler Miller explains spending all of second half. Near midfield. Sorry, that's a deep pull. Deep pull for, there's some listeners out there who remember the ketchup fart and they speak of it to this day. Uh, but I, I nudged my wife. I was like, he's going to give us a goal. I don't know how, but like he's fucking all over the place. And obviously he's not freestyling it. Like it's part like he's allowed to play up that far. But I have never in all of the games I've watched in person or FCC, I've never seen a keeper 
that far up that often, like all the, just like on a basic play, like corner kicks, he was coming up. Like I never seen a keeper come yeah. out this far on like a corner kick on the other end. And he was living and dying that way. And yeah, he almost, I'm just so upset. We no Brenner did in the second half, got a shot off and it yeah. was horrible. Yeah. And, uh, but like, I'm glad we finally, like someone tried and like, you'd think Rooney of all people who like, Hit a couple midfield shots in his career would be like anal Get about back. that, but yeah. <laughs> Do we? What? Shouldn't the ref have done something about just the just two-handed shoving. shove? Yeah, yeah. That far upfield, like there's ref rules, he, and then I mean not ref rules, obviously goalie rules. Yeah, and then rules for everyone else. And, yeah, but he's he's a he's a field player at that point. Exactly. He's like, yes. He's, yeah. But like, I think he yeah. was taken by the situation too. He's well, like, the, what's the, going on? The <laughs> crazy part was, is that it took so long. Like this play happened in slow motion and it took so long that somebody had already gotten back to like cover on the goal line. Yeah. Yeah. Two of them. yeah. So then at that point, yeah. he's not the last defender. So if you're the goalie, you're that keeper, you're that far out. Just wrap him up and take him to the ground. Take the yellow card. <laughs> I think I'm he not tried. sure he would have gotten it. Yeah, he tried. He couldn't. And then it ends up on Mascara's foot. And I'm like, he didn't get a shot off. But yeah. like, I was like, just toe ball it, man. Anything, like, get a shot. And I know, like, two guys from that far away, two guys should, probably should be able to save it. But you want to see that moment. You want to see that moment. <laughs> um, oh, well. I, I do want to ask about one other thing that happened in the first half. Because I want to know if I'm just mm. off base on this. Yeah. And I tried to watch the replay today and it's not the same <laughs> angle they showed in the stadium on the on the on the big screen. And I think you got a better look at it on the big screen in the stadium when Paulson came in and smacked Miazga in the head with his head. Yeah. Yeah. Um when they showed the when they showed it on the screen it looked very clear to me that Miazga gets to the ball he heads the ball. Paulson comes in late and just smacks Miazga in the head with his head. Yeah. That should be a penalty, right? Yes. I know, I know the ball's gone, but if you care, but it's still like I, there, we've seen other situations where penalties given for a foul that happens after the ball's gone, like Moreno against Nashville last year, for example. And, um, I also think if you care about head injuries, you should not allow situations where guys are essentially incentivized to come in wild yeah. and create a clash of heads. Having said that, I don't know in any of my time watching soccer, I have ever seen a penalty called with two people going up in the box to get a corner or get a, an aerial ball. I feel like at that point, as long as you aren't just wildly out of pocket, the way that that's officiated around the world is just, hey, both of you are going for it and shit happens sometimes. I, but he's I, so late. I agree. Yeah. I just don't think I've ever seen that called before, ever, no matter how late the player is or no matter how reckless the challenge is. If there's like a if there is a cogent argument to be made that he was at least getting up in the air to play the ball, I don't think I've ever seen that called before. Yeah, I think you usually see that when an elbow is involved, right? So if somebody's jumping up, going for the ball and, and flinging an elbow out intentionally or unintentionally. I want to agree with you, though, Grayson, because that would have given us a penalty and that would have been nice. So. <laughs> Was Miaska <laughs> calling out the guy immediately, you think, for himself or for the dude who hit him? 
Like, was I he think... like, ah, fuck, come on. Or was he like, uh, this guy hit me really hard. He's probably fucked up. That's a good question. <laughs> doesn't really matter. But I was just like, because he was so like, it made it seem, I think both guys stayed. In, I mean, the other guy stayed in the game, too. Didn't yeah, he, he did. Yeah, yeah. So, Miazga didn't like, seem as banged up. You're right. Yeah. So it made it seem like even a scary situation because like immediately he's like, get on the field, get on the field. I was like, is that for you or are you? Because you, that guy fucking... But I guess it doesn't matter. It's semantics, but I, I on the subject feel of, his brain on the subject yeah. of injuries. I do want to start a running tally now that I think this is at least the second or the third game where I've been convinced Wobodo is going to be lost for the year on some sort of an <laughs> <Yes>. injury. <laughs> like, Here comes the air cast. Yeah, no, that man leads this team far and away in. I think that one's horrendous. I think he may never walk again. Injuries. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he's back up like two minutes later. But it, it looked bad. Like the tackle sure that it took, it looked really bad. <laughs> that is that is funny. And he is like our quote unquote hard man out there. But yeah, each game it does appear that he has he's got one solid knock in him that he's going down and, and he's gonna be down for a little bit. It's, that's funny. I had that same thought. Um, I, did good I, did appreciate, back. I did appreciate Haglin giving the thumbs up pretty quickly, though. Yeah. Like after a minute or so. Like, it's okay. He'll be, he's going to live. Don't worry about <laughs> it. <laughs> I always check to see if, uh, what they do with subs then. Because you'll see, like, two guys will start warming up. And then you'll, you'll see them call off the warm ups pretty quickly. That's usually a good sign that the coaching staff's okay with what's happening there. But yeah, Pinter's out there running sprints. You know it's bad. Um, is that it for the first half? Do we have anything else for the first half? Least. least How was I, Corbin uh, Bone pulling the sword? I I wasn't in the my seat yet. Was I it missed everything this as I, well. it was, I was in my seat. I was actually in the Bailey in time for this, and I was very pleased with the reaction. I was. It was cool. I hmm. love this. I love bringing back old players. It's not technically a USL player because he was with us, I think, in the first season at MLS. So I'm mm -hmm. waiting for the first USL-only player where we start to acknowledge that portion of our history a little bit more. And I've said it online. I'm putting it out there. I'll say it here publicly. I will personally pay for GB's flight for hell is real i don't care if somebody Storm finds the field if somebody finds him and there's an airport where he's at currently we can make this happen or an airport he can get to right without, yeah. without too much trouble how many days travel to get to said airport the man could literally be anywhere and i would not be shocked but i tried to figure sense. it out today and i couldn't i assume <laughs> he's from there he's still in senegal but i don't know what town he it makes me from. it makes me sad, but also happy that like he's not cashing in on his like <laughs> relatively low level like celebrity in Cincinnati. It's like because we'd be eating this whatever slop he's serving, but like you know, like <laughs> hey man, you know we could. There's people that love you here, and you seem to love the love. So yeah, I mean that's a perfect idea, and we hope oh, we hope man. we pray that happens. Because he should be on cameo. Like you should be able to at least buy a, D a GB cameo. Because I can think of. An endless uh, <laughs> amount of situations where having GB deliver a message to someone would be just perfect. He's posted Instagram two weeks ago, a number of happy birthday to himself posts. <laughs> and I'll say this. We, we do feature prominently here. FCC does? Pic yeah, pictures from, uh, from his, yeah. his time with us. And Not as much Kazakhstani league. The return of the Jibby uh, <laughs> banner is making an appearance. 
I was going to say rainbow suit in some of these pictures. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say there's no way we could lose if he's in the stands. But then I like remembered the DeMar Hamlin was in the stands for that Bengals playoff game. I was like, well, you know, (laughs) if that I guess that really if they can't win that. I don't I don't see like Vasquez. He's like, I'm going to score now. GB's here. Tell at this point, half the employees of the club will be like, who the hell is this guy? What is this guy doing here? But that'll be fucking sick. Get him in the barley. Oh, my God. Yeah, Yeah, second half, Kevin. Go ahead. I'm fine (laughs) with the sword tradition if it if it brings back some proper legends don't give me the the weekend sports anchor for yeah WCPO. that was weak that was weak <laughs> i mean should've i'm sure a, he's the i'm sure he's the first rate guy i just <laughs> should have been a send off for brad before he left you know yeah and jimmy well, mclaughlin still works for the club we could we can find some names all right um does jimmy still still work for the club i feel like his his status has been <laughs> so the club works for me I mean, <laughs> if somebody could tell me what Jimmy does for the club, I'd be impressed. So works for maybe very loose here. Less than we do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's That's... in the Gary suit. We all know that, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I also broke Ooh. the news to my son. Uh, I said, yeah, Opie's banned from the stadium. He's like, what? I was like, yeah, he's not welcome anymore. He's like, for real? I was like, yeah. He's like, he said, they should ban Gary. I said, thanks, bro. <laughs> Actually, I have an Appreciate I do have an OP update. We're never going to get to the second half. I do have an OP update. Um, <laughs> people might have seen on Twitter. Uh, we posted a I think very iconic photo of OP standing next to a very small child, uh, and that child is screaming, crying at OP, just absolutely terrified. Sparks some debate. Got got an update from the parents of this kid, and they said that not only was it hilarious, uh, that the kid was asking if Opie was going to be at the game today. You see, and he, you he see. liked him. He Aww, liked him. <laughs> so if you felt bad, just know that that was that kid's highlight. And while he was not used to seeing a mascot, he came around pretty quickly. So many people are saying, and many people were saying in the Bailey this weekend that uh, if we lose this Open Cup match against NYCFC, that we'll have to at least consider the possibility that Opie and the lack of Opie is cursing this team for its Open Cup run. Mm. It's already being mm. whispered about. I almost said something to uh, the uh, unnamed FCC employee who sits next to me. <laughs> I saw him or her a few seats over. I wanted to be like, what's up with that Opie character? As if like, I didn't know. <laughs> and I was like reading too much. I was like, I think him or her is looking at me a certain way. I'm like, they don't know. <laughs> but in my mind, everyone knows and everyone's thinking. About you it. saw them on their seats during the game. Saw them all. Is, is, doing, is that, is not, that, is that not who sits? Is that not who sits oh, by oh, you? Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow! That was a that was a headline. That was a pun on another level. My God! <laughs> Deep cut. Anyway, how about that second half? Uh, not much to talk about until Lucho five seconds Acosta. in. Kevin, there was a foul immediately off the kickoff, bro. Don't you fucking okay? Guess. What happened there? I have no we, idea. We, <laughs> We were speculating in the stadium that is this like one of those things in hockey where occasionally everyone knows drop the gloves. <laughs> you drop the gloves right at face off. It's on right from from the start, which led to a discussion about how soccer. The one thing soccer is missing is that there's just not enough bench clearing brawls in the sport. 
Like mm-hmm. every other sport is better about every so often. If you go, you're going to get like a really awesome fight. And soccer just doesn't have that. That's a good question. I wonder if it's the the salary ranges here in MLS kind of ruin that because nobody wants to be the guy swinging on the other team's DP. That's how you get the the black mark. But <laughs> you ever watch the old soccer fights video on YouTube? It's pretty hilarious. There's a lot of like slapping, <laughs> like jump kicking, and like it's like just because you play soccer doesn't mean you're incapable of throwing a punch. But apparently, it does. Or Sorry, like I happen- totally. Yeah. Or like what happens is somebody takes a swing and it misses, but the player that you're swinging on still flops to the ground and starts yes. rolling around like you got yes. slugged. So like lots of punches get thrown. No one actually gets hit, but everyone is simultaneously on the ground as like they're acting like they've been shot. <laughs> I, I I guess we'll never know what happened right at kickoff there. That was that was a bizarre situation. Um oh but uh 58 minutes in. Uh we've got Bariel goes down with a very good, I believe, penalty shout. The entire Bailey is losing their mind about this. Guido calls it as a corner kick. Lucho, to his credit, is hyping the Bailey up like, give this guy more shit, which I absolutely <laughs> love. I'm not sure I've seen that one in a while. Like, yes, get the crowd excited. It's a big play. I've not seen you're giving the ref shit. Keep it going. We need more <laughs> of this energy. <laughs> I desperately want to believe that everything that happened in this game was Lucho somehow being informed that this city hates Guido Gonzalez and that that Lucho was on 10 from the start of this. Like, I'm going to argue with this motherfucker over every call. You're going to have to card me for dissent. As soon as you start booing him, I'm going to hype the crowd up. And if that's the case, it just makes me love the, the love the man more. We're so easy to please, to be honest. It's not hard, folks. Yeah. There's just a few things you got to do and you'll endear yourself like... So much so. Lucia did yeah. Lucia did most of those things during this game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Within like a two minute span, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yes. He yelled at the ref, he gassed up the Bailey. Scored he, a goal. Uh, did what Kevin was is gonna talk about. Yes. And then you know what came <laughs> after. I, I know we have all been very critical of Lucho's corner kicks and our dear friend Das Harks in the Discord was still arguing that this was, in fact, a bad corner kick on its merits. But <laughs> Lucho takes the corner and sneaks it into the goal himself. Uh, appreciate Irsa Mascara keeping his mouth shut on that so we can get another Olympico in FCC history. I feel like we have an odd number of Olympicos in FCC's very short history. It feels like a goal that you should see once every 10 years. And I think we've got four or five of them in our short history. So did big Le- fan of that. Did Ledesma have one? Is that what Le- you're thinking of? Ledesma had two, although Medu- I think maybe one was called back. Medunian had one, right? And Med- Medunian had two himself. No, he, had, he had one. Did he have one? He had one, and then the other one was an own goal off of FC Cincinnati legend Florian Velo. That's right. Damn it. Damn it. Okay, I thought he had two there. But still, weird that it's happened enough here. But Um, uh, yeah, Lucho Acosta. Yeah, I actually saw this from... uh this is a weird one, but Charlie Hatch writing for Laurel Failer's Queen City Press. Uh, I'm going to loft this one to the far post. Maligned corner kick taker Acosta caught on hot mic moments before near post Olympico. So <laughs> cat's out of the bag on that one. 
<laughs> he was taking it quick on purpose, though. From I mean, it felt like it. I know the broadcast missed it entirely, so they weren't expecting it. Uh, yeah. That's why it's funny on the the highlights. It's just the replay. There's no, <laughs> yeah. there's no in the moment of it. But even like it happening, like I kind of like it took me by surprise. So I think that part was pur- purposeful. Everyone's like arguing and worried about uh, the VAR shout, which I never got a good look at it. Um, so I can't say one way or another. But yeah, so he's like, I'll just take it quick, and you know, it worked well. And you'd think Miller maybe should have done a little better, but I'm sure he assumed somebody was going to get a touch on it, and it just. I, Never I did, really I did, did see this about it in the uh, the Peachtree Times. Uh, hmm. Wait, we're not in Atlanta. Lucho's explosive Olympico proves he can take set pieces. <laughs> it's a Richard Jewell reference. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I Yeah, I love it. I mean, he gets to stay on corner kick duty for... A couple more games, I think. You think he's just going to try it every time now, though, right? It's fine. Honestly, it might he's, be he's better like, than what he's, he's doing. Like, I'm, I'm sweet now. So <laughs> that's what did every time. Well, Desmond it was a good, did try it. Every it was time. a good strategy because it was always in a, kind of an awkward place for the goalie. Which, and um, but he also had two in the first half, which I thought were okay. What did, I think what one if, one got caught, one didn't. What if the what if it was that somebody told him at halftime that hey, you know, an an Olympico is kind of like a nutmeg on a corner kick. <laughs> if you think about it, you're right. <laughs> that might be enough to get him going. <laughs> see, see, He's got another one of his little tricks. <laughs> the, the weird thing about it was is that like he has an alarming number of corner kicks that do go near post, and yes. yet it still seems like. It, caught Miller not really knowing it's like wait he's going near post I never suspected this it's like, yeah that's I'm starting to think Tyler Miller sucks <laughs> I'm saying yeah he's just got little legs he can't kick it that far and <laughs> it just goes where it goes and uh Good I, know on jo- him. I, I know Jonah you loved this that as soon as the ball went into the net <clears throat> the celebration includes the grab the badge point directly at the badge make the heart symbol I mean Take notes, Brenner. <laughs> T- tapping your tapping your current club's badge is a pretty neat celebration when you score against your old team. That is a great didn't point. Even, I didn't even put two and two together. I mean, Roland Lamar earned like I loved Roland Lamar because after that Atlanta goal, he was like tugging, wow. on, <laughs> he, and like his his rationale was like, "Well, this is the team I play for now," and uh, you know. So they probably it's, like it was so like banal, but I was like, yeah, that's fucking right. You do play for us. <laughs> that's it. Like, I'm, like I was talking about the simple things that endear yourself, like, like point to the city or like, yeah, I'm from there. Yeah. <laughs> like, the rock concert. Like, what's up, Cincinnati? Like, yeah, fuck yeah. Or like in the <laughs> player in intros where they it lists Nick Haglin from Cincinnati, Ohio, and the crowd just yeah. gets a little extra hype. Oh, yes. like, I live there. That's my city. He's saying my this city. This is about uh, Ar- Archimedes at the Open Cup. And I was like, is he? Like, I, took I was like, wait. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Archimedes Ordonia is from Cincinnati, Ohio, representing Guatemala in the U-20 World Cup. I was going to say, did they say Cincinnati? Because he's from Fort Thomas. And we can get They very... did say Cincinnati. Fort Thomas okay. is closer than Westchester, though. That is true. But... Greater Cincinnati, maybe they should have said. But yeah. They definitely did say Cincinnati. I didn't even I put would... two and two together about the doing that mm-hmm. right in DC United's face. Like, and that's also to a coach, Wayne Rooney, that has, I think he's on record as saying he wants him back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, no, they're, they're like, they're like good buddies. Uh, somebody had pulled up uh, Acosta's like 
playing career. And I think if we get him for two more years, which seems, I think, very likely at this point, we will have been his most tenured club. And so, yeah, it's pretty good. He's like he's like our guy now. This is good. Was he with like the club where he started? Was he? I assume he he grew came up in some club's academy, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And he, um, I mean, that could be his club shorts where he's actually from. And no, no, spent we the got him. No. no, 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 no. <laughs> I was just looking at professional <laughs> contract <laughs> years. <laughs> I mean, the club he came up with was Boca Juniors. It wasn't yeah. nobody, <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, did yeah. He? So he was like he was like with Boca for like ten years because he was uh, in the academy from. 07 I, to 14 and then he never played made for Boca them seniors though did 14 he? to 16 <laughs> i gotta go guys more of a, more more of a focus sophomore if we're being honest yeah, i'm sure no one's ever made that horrible joke <laughs> i uh i thought he moved there after a youth career elsewhere so that's good well he was be, studied uh, communicaciones that's who i might have been thinking in college of. yeah i don't know just this youth career communicaciones with no dates listed next to it. And then Boca Juniors, 07 to 14. Wouldn't be, I the feel first, like... wouldn't be the first person ever to spend seven years at an institution and only emerge with a communications degree. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, I mean, if you put mediocre uh, Lucho on that DC team right now, I think they'd be pretty solid. They were just in need of like one more like super creative guy in the midfield and him and uh, Muscle Man up top. That'd be pretty good. But don't. Keep no. him. Right, of course. Kevin, no. question. Uh, you work for the Post. Are are the team and Lucho's representatives in the suit-wearing phase mm. of negotiations where they're, or are they still wearing like casual clothes when they meet to talk about the extension? So we're at the very awkward jeans and blazers step. So it's like, <laughs> you're not sure if somebody is just like stumping on like a, a congressional tour trying trying to get elected to some jeans blazers no tie <laughs> yeah yeah somebody yeah, yeah. either thought they were going business casual or they thought they were just doing a zoom call yes <laughs> the shoes are the giveaway here and his agent i've heard wearing some nice shoes to these meetings so. <laughs> <laughs> he's not hard to find folks. wait no i'm thinking of the other guy um, <laughs> new recurring item for the post agent fit watch <laughs> that would be so great nobody's topping bertone's agent i don't know if you remember that guy oh the with like the chunky turtleneck. Uh, yeah. turtleneck sweater and like what a double-breasted uh, suit. He's yeah. a, That guy was a real mobster looking. Yeah. He goal, real though, look. yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, goal happens. Uh, what happens after that? Uh, I think our, our Brenner guy, came uh, in. Remember that guy? Oh, yeah. Brenner shows up at some point. Benteke gets a yellow for fouling Mascara, so that was good. That looked... A little dicey there for a second as well. It was legit too. I for a second yeah. I was like mascara. I I fucking love you. <laughs> and I was like, okay, he actually got hit in the face. <laughs> but I think like, mascara does get fouled a lot. Yeah, yeah. I think it's because he's annoying. Yeah, he's in there too. <laughs> I think he's they, a wrecking yeah. ball. So <laughs> the combination is <laughs> an invitation to the pain train. But <laughs> but then uh, but, uh, yeah, Brenner oh, coming in please. though. Um, yes, Brenner comes in 65th minute, and I I. I you know, hand up. He did, in fact, look motivated in this game. He looked a little feisty. His first touch was horrendous. It looked like a man that hadn't played competitive soccer in about two weeks. But 
after that, he was all over the place. He looked uh, doing his usual Brenner routine, which is as soon as the ball is passed back to the keeper, I sense an opportunity I'm just running full speed <laughs> directly at the opposing goal. Uh, I thought he looked really good, honestly. Yeah, he had a lot of little tricks. <laughs> that was very fun. <laughs> it, he had that I one missed... run where his penalty shout, especially. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, he I... sets he sets up the 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 next big moment in this game where it's one of those what no 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 okay awesome where he is down uh yes. the left hand side of the field he is running back towards Celentano oh, like yeah. dribbling directly the wrong way and it's like no, running Brenner, out of room Brenner I understand <laughs> I you're, not in, this, yeah. you're not in Italy the goal is this way this way we're going and then back heels to Lucho or to was it to Lucho Either way, back wheels to somebody, and then Lucho ends up with the ball, feeds Barial, and that's our second goal right there. But it starts with uh, Brenner running the wrong way down the sideline with the ball. <laughs> that was incredible. I, I think I was yelling, where are you going? Where are you going? <laughs> oh! <laughs> that's also where Tyler Miller was pushing Barial, so it's like the Bermuda Triangle of weirdness. <laughs> that doesn't really make sense, but uh, <laughs> in that yeah. part of the field... Yeah, that was right in front of me. And then, yes, as soon as he kicks it back, like, oh, fuck yeah, baby. <laughs> also, I missed his back. I missed that <laughs> yeah, Brenner. Back. That Brenner was awesome last year when he showed up. And it was nice to see that Brenner for, you know, the brief the brief moments we got with him tonight. This is the Brenner I would love to see through <clears throat> July 1st, although we'll talk about it later. It might be the end of Brenner involuntarily here. Um yeah, that goal, Barriel, uh takes takes a perfectly weighted pass from Lucho, and I mean, takes the shit out of it. Just a piss just, missile, just a total. Absolutely <laughs> destroys this ball, slips it in near post. By the way, which is just incredible, the accuracy on that. And my favorite part of the goal, he gets to run into the crowd and hug his dad as his dad was finally able to watch him for the first time in person for FCC and he scores right in front of his dad and and jumps up gives him the hug just an awesome moment for old Barial and uh another reminder that his time here is very limited with <laughs> us I, it's, if he keeps doing things like this he may not make it to the end of the season either we'll see what happens but yeah I don't know. Did we have any headlines on on the piss missile as Chief has coined it? <laughs> Should have crossed it. Um, before that, though, <laughs> Vasquez is like, come on, man. Vasquez. Come on, bro. Give me some help. Uh, we'll get right back to that. But this was uh, an Idaho potato. Brenner hating fans, ironically chanting Brenner, Brenner, get lost among the Brenner loving fans chanting Brenner, Brenner. <laughs> so, so it's really it's kind of like what if what if he took it the wrong way it's like you know daryl daryl like from the <laughs> simpson softball episode uh, but yeah there was no boost i didn't hear a single boo nope it's like as soon as you actually see him he's like oh, he's coming on to score for your team it's like let's fucking go <laughs> which is just um, a, gen a general reminder no one is mad about him going to italy no, no. <laughs> yeah, I wanna, we just wanted to play. <laughs> I want to I want to backtrack a little bit before Brenner comes in because I just think I think Sergio Santos deserves a shout out. I think you oh, may have yeah. known that like his time on the field was coming to an end because he made a series of sprints to to track guys down and win balls back that like 
I don't think I've ever seen anybody. It made everybody on the field look, look like they were standing still. <laughs> I love it when his speed is able to be showcased because yeah. I don't know. Maybe at first glance, I, I always forget that he is that fast. He, I don't know. He, I don't think he looks particularly fast. And then no, he, he just he hits another gear out there and it's it's very exciting and it's a shame again Grayson to your point you brought up last week why we aren't hitting more balls over the top for him to sprint on you know if teams are going to give us some space he should be doing more of that so yeah well I mean that would have been pretty hard in this game because I think that any ball ball over the top DC's keeper was determined that no I'm going to get there first I don't know. Maybe that was maybe that was the deliberate play there. Um, did Mascara we any- got his yellow on a backtrack where he got to fully stretch his legs out, and I was convinced he was going to win that tackle, but the guy got his foot right in front of the ball right before. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, I was going to ask you, Kevin. First, Please. do we think there's any way at this point? Maybe I'm misreading it because I'm living in the moment that Vasquez the Vasquez now gets sold for more than Barial. Do I have Barial colored glasses on? Oof. Am I? <laughs> I I mean, in my mind, I'm like, Barial has to be worth more than this version we're seeing of Vasquez. But I guess a striker is always going to be worth more. But I mean, Barial's younger, and Barial has improved every year. <clears throat> like, Vasquez had his career year, yes, but he's obviously you know, backsliding a little bit this year. And he just never was able to demonstrate how good he was regularly before this. I would think if I was, I don't know if I was brought to MLS as a scout and say, who are the, the five best players to, to purchase. And I was looking at FC Cincinnati, Barrio would be the top of my list. Absolutely. Before, before Vasquez. Um, I mean, at this point, even before Brenner, but he is so versatile doing the defending, the attacking. If he can add some outside shooting to his game, it's gonna be hard to it's yeah. gonna be hard to keep him. He's he's off somewhere great. Yeah, that's the answer to the question is that if Barial can continue to score goals, like if if he can get to the summer and say he's on five goals, six goals at that point, then I think that the market for Barial will begin to be robust. But I think the good news is, from FC Cincinnati's point of view, is that he is an appreciating asset. Yeah. And I think they've got him. I don't know how much longer they have him under control. I think they've got him for at least next year, right? Two more years. Two more years. They gave him the, they gave him the strangest extension that I've ever yeah. seen. It's like three options, right? They added two, op, two options. It's <laughs> weird. To his... Because he had an option for this year. And the right. extension years are both options. Well, doesn't that isn't there something that like fucks us with options when you're selling contracts internationally that like the rest of the world doesn't recognize an option year in MLS as a contract year? Am I mis am I misremembering that at all? No, there is some um there has been some like there's been some action there where players say that like the decision to ex- exercise the option was not like properly communicated to the right people or by the right people or in the right manner. Um, but I've, I'm not aware of a situation where somebody has actually gotten the option year invalidated. And yeah. I think, 
I think the Red Bulls went to the court of arbitration for sport against Kaku and won. They won, but he obviously still never played for them. Right, he never played for them again. But yeah. they got some... And then uh, Orlando, I think there was also some some scuttlebutt about Kyle Lahren potentially testing the option. But Orlando ended up getting a decent chunk of money from... Um, where do you go? Besiktas? Besiktas. Yeah, it's a Turkish club. Um, yeah, it's more of a bridge-burning move. I don't know if... Barrios agent represents anybody else in MLS, but it's a pretty much a it's a we're done with MLS ever yeah. again kind of but move. Then if it's if it's not an issue, then like there's no pressure to sell him now that he keeps getting better. And you might, you know, this might be a situation where FC Cincinnati looks at the players that are set to leave and looks at Barry Allen's like, eh, I think we can even do better next year with this. But it's fun to see. And I assume even with whatever raises he gets in the option years, he's still um, on a, on a fairly budget friendly number. Yeah. I don't see how he gets worse. Yeah. He right. can get hurt, you know, yeah, right. but like, it's not like he's scoring like some obscene amount of goals that doesn't really reflect the numbers. It should. His defense is pretty decent like he made a few stuffs like one-on-one he's not like a liability on defense so I feel like that would only get better and otherwise he's I don't know so yeah it's not like Vasquez where it was like maybe sell when he's peaking but uh yeah and I think he probably helped his value moving to moving to left back because I don't know that he would have stood out as much as a pure as a pure winger and um you know he had yeah. his most he had his best numbers for us playing playing at left back last year i would also yeah. say too that just the market i think is bigger for left backs internationally than it is for wingers honestly or With that the- that there's less you know, it's harder to to find a good attacking left back who can also to, who can also defend than it is to find right a pure winger right yeah. Yeah, the one wrinkle here would be if we do ever go to a back four and move another player up into the midfield, how that would impact Barriel's game on the left. Because I imagine he wouldn't be able to go up as often. And I don't know if his defending is sharp enough to command a very large transfer fee. Let me phrase it that way. He'll be a very good left back in MLS. I don't know if he becomes a $7 million left back to France or Germany or whatever. If if Johnny Nelson can get up and down for St. Louis in a back four, I think Barrial can do it. Okay. (laughs) I want to see it at some point because... I think there's there's something to be said where I, I wouldn't mind seeing a version of this team with without Hagland and with Kubo also in the midfield. And I think that could be a pretty a pretty good combination. Um anyway, rest of this game. Bariel subbed out almost immediately afterwards for one Raymond Gaddis. And then uh, a little bit later on, the entire midfield is is successfully swapped out Moreno and Acosta for Pinto and Kubo with Ian Murphy coming in for Alvis Powell. Been a while since we've seen our dear friend Ian Murphy in an MLS game. That's all I got. That's, that was the interesting thing to me. I forgot him on Grayson's player uh, quiz, you know. <laughs> yeah. He's so recent. 
the only part of this that I found interesting was just wondering to what extent that this pretends to the Wednesday midweek Open Cup matchup, if maybe they were trying to get some players out ahead of time to maybe have a little bit more availability for New York, which would be fun because this is an opportunity, I think, with them having the uh, week's rest this coming weekend to actually go for a win against NYCFC. And they managed to buy Lucho 10 minutes of rest in this game, which is key, I think. So I would be surprised if Brenner doesn't start against NYCFC. Well, I mean, it's depending on how he's doing after we hit stoppage time and he gets right. absolutely annihilated on a tackle. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that that pretty well is the, uh, the well, end were, of the game there. There, there, were yeah, two, there were two things that happened at the end of this game that were frustrating. Uh, well, three. The first of which was that I think they just switched off on the DC United goal. Like a lot of yeah. people ball watching and just leads to an uncontested tap in. With Ray. That, it yeah it was ray um <laughs> yeah, yeah just straight up ray um making his we presence. had to rewatch it to see it yeah, one too many people ball watching yeah yeah um which unfortunately turned the last like six minutes of the game into a little more tense than it probably should have been and then um guido starts spamming yellow cards to everyone and fully cements his villain status keeping the game going longer than it needs to go and then in the dying moments of this game that already should have been blown dead by this point, Brenner picks up what looked to be a kind of horrific injury in that he was unable to put any weight on his leg going off the field, which is never a great sign for a guy that just got sold for 10 million clamps. <laughs> he, he was walking off the field by the, gingerly bef- before he was off. But yeah, like he had he was being kind of half carried for for, was, por- for a portion but then he was walking torn acl nothing off <laughs> yeah i mean i don't know how transfer deals are done in this regard especially this early like if he yeah if he destroys an acl the deal's still done right like there's no there's no version of this where we get stuck with a broken Brenner for an extra year. I, I think it's still done. I think that's the whole reason why you go send him over for the physical right okay. now and get all the all the paper signed and but like we don't know what's in the contract. Right. And with all of this stuff, like I think it you just need to have the caveat that like Yeah, like we kind of have a somewhat confident prediction to to how the deal is structured and what the result is, but Unless you're looking at the fine print, like you 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 don't know. No, right? Are we at least worried that the EU has a law that requires a two year warranty on anything that's sold? <laughs> <laughs> Damn! <laughs> it comes with all of Brenner's browsing history too, which is weird. But and somehow Brenner war- has to search over to USB C for charging when he goes over there now. So. <laughs> We missed one moment, which was uh, Vasquez, Ooh. a beautiful ball from Yuya Kubo, and had a chance to get back on the goal sheet and stick it I was right in my three-one. Tyler Miller's bread basket right there. Who was he? Was pretty far out from goal, and he, you know, first time hit. Like I'm glad he kicked it right away, but like, it doesn't help that the announcer's like, he's got to do better there. But <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> but like I was. That's exactly what I said. Like, you got to fucking score, man. You got to fucking score. <laughs> and like he hadn't gotten much of anything the whole night, no. you know, which doesn't help anything. 
but he gets his chance and uh the man can't you know, stop shooting directly at the keeper just no it's, not it's the most powerful shot yeah but no, uh, and, and miller did that weird thing where he like smacked the ball down and then dribbled it like a basketball for a while that it just felt more insulting to, <laughs> to how that shot went <laughs> oh man and Brenner um, had that slicey dicey in the, his penalty shout, which he was upset about. But that would have been it would have been a pretty weak penalty. Obviously, I, mean, I was all for it. But I mean, there you could see on the replay there was a grab of the jersey. There in the definitely box. was a tug. Yeah, <laughs> I've seen yeah. Softer, yeah. I've the, seen softer ones given. I'm like, what's the soccer play where you grab a guy's jersey? From I know directly I know happens, behind. Yeah. yeah, like that's clearly to impede him. And yeah. what you just like. You know, impede him with an illegal touch. You know, a little bit. That's not a penalty, but I the, think it's enough the, to throw him off for the sure. Pro- the problem is, is that like soccer and MLS specifically is officiated kind of like NBA Jam, where like it was impossible to blow somebody out in NBA Jam because as soon as you got up on them, the computer would just start making all their shots go in. Where <laughs> there's a spectrum of when that's a penalty. That's not a penalty in the first five minutes of a game because that would be unfair to start a team down one nil middle of the game. You're going to get that call 50 percent of the time stoppage time in a one goal game. They're never going to call that because the refs like, well, I'm not going to you know, decide the game with my whistle right here. It's it's bullshit, but it's it's yeah. just very consistently bullshit. I think too. We saw this last week with the Costas penalty or penalty shout, I should say. We're getting into this weird thing where like our guys are being punished for going down too easy. So it was a foul, but our guys are also selling it, and for some reason, that's that's enough to disqualify the initial foul. That like they want a penalty real bad. So I don't know. It's it's very stupid. I wish refs would give cards in that situation. Like if Brenner wasn't fouled, why did he fall? He had to have been diving. Give him a yellow for yeah, diving. Yeah, give him a card then. It's maybe that was maybe he did the descent card was actually a really late card <laughs> yeah, for yeah. Uh, for the dive. It's like a pre crime like, card that like he <laughs> Guido was sensing that later on in the knew. match he would be diving. <laughs> He it's, knew he'd be back. It's fun to see on the uh the rundown on like the game where the foul that took out um Brenner 90 minutes plus 9 <laughs> yes. in our 6 minutes stoppage time game. We're like <laughs> you're looking at it like wait that doesn't quite make sense. And Roman my man who I've been in all these 1-0 games I'm like Roman <laughs> take your yellow man whatever who fucking cares bro just take First yellow of the season, I was shocked because he's had so many late goal kicks and he's always pushing his luck. And I'm fine with it. I'm like, yeah, take the yellow. Finally, finally picks it up, takes the other side, earns that yellow. And I respect him for it. That yellow probably added two more minutes. But yeah, it was great. The yellow was so good because literally like Guido is standing like two feet from him telling him, you need to hurry up. You need to take this kick quickly. He's like yelling at him, pointing at his wrist like you need to make sure this one happens. And the second Guido turns around, he picks the ball up and walks to the (laughs) other side. (laughs) Roman became a man on Saturday. Finally, (laughs) he's officially. And I, I get I get at least like it was about an extra minute for the VAR check on Taxi's goal, which I don't know what that was for. That was weird. It took Maybe a somebody's long got an time. idea. I have no idea why it took a minute. I mean, I mm-hmm. watched the replay of the goal like twice today. I didn't really see what that might have been. But yeah, the announcers didn't know either. Um, the uh, But like, 
he blew the game dead as soon as Kubo, basically as soon as Kubo took the took the free kick. They took the free kick that sniped the shit yes. out of that dude. <laughs> right, in the, <laughs> right in the fucking That dome. was fucking awesome. <laughs> but if he was, if, the, if time is up, when Kubo is taking the, taking the free kick, why couldn't he have just blown the whistle when we got the ball back from DC before Brenner got blown up? It doesn't make any sense. It, it, none of it made sense. I also think, I don't. I wasn't sure there was a VAR check, which is how that happened. I thought the fourth official like needed to do something because the fourth official disappeared. It seemed for, like a weird issue was going on. Yeah, I don't think it was uh, VAR okay. either. I just, I just saw him check. I saw him talking, like you know, like t- touching yeah. his earpiece, and then like doing the hand like wait. Oh, I got excited what for a doing second. The, yeah, yeah, that's usually yeah. what it looks like. <laughs> it when, got me when a little hyped. I was like, oh, fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then I remembered, oh, wait, Noonan bitched about the rest last week. There's no way we're getting a clean sheet on a VAR check. There's they're not going to give that to us. Oh, man. Hell of a game, though. Hell of a game. Are there any other headlines that we maybe didn't didn't touch on on our way through this? This actually this happened um after after well well after the game this is in uh, pat mm. brennan's Sunday inquire i like pancakes 3 a.m tweet from vasquez leads to wellness <laughs> check at strikers condo so he's, he's just grasping we're still with you buddy uh, still love you just gotta put one in the net for us i mean i just, really want to see a brenner Santos pairing, assuming Brenner is healthy, because <laughs> that would be ten times more dynamic than anything we've seen all year. Uh, I don't know. Brenner Baji to me is um, I don't forget Baji's there. It's Baji and Vasquez. That's the golden combination, guys. We just gotta get back to that and we'll get back to the goals. Um I'll I'll let you guys finish talking about the game. You know, I'm gonna go watch Barry oh, before Grace Before you has a leave, chance. before you leave. Do you think Kubo was aiming for that guy's head? Or do you think he was trying to chip it over the keeper? Uh I assumed he was aiming at him. But <laughs> good. Kubo's actually not that type of guy in general. I'm wow, I'm putting a lot on Kubo that he has not really <laughs> explained because I've never really seen <laughs> don't know much about Kubo, but in my mind, Kubo's a very like straight ahead player. And uh I wasn't even sure that was a yellow card on him, but the Kubo hate train is so strong from every referee that he sees the tackle and you're like, eh. then I rewatched, I was like, okay, maybe. Uh I thought it was a run of the mill foul. It was a yeah. revenge tackle for sure. Yeah. Obi got away with one early in the game. It's like I thought they got away with one. I was like, hey, and then immediately Obi tackles the guy and Guido's a play on. I'm like, all right. Or even Stevens now. <laughs> so I appreciated that. Uh, yeah, I need to. I'm going to make a. I'm trying to log into Apple TV now because I want to make a rip of that uh, Brenner back heel when he's going the wrong way. Oh my and, God. Uh, oh my God. I can't believe I almost forgot this. No, I did anybody else, uh, I don't know, make weird noises in their seat like I did when, uh, <laughs> when Hagland uh, absolutely juked yes. that guy out of his shoe. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> I was going to say when Hagelin fell that. over. <laughs> oh, he, he Do you remember when Hagelin br- slipped? Yes, that sucks. That's what I thought you were going to say. That was, <laughs> that was more <laughs> characteristic, though. <laughs> that, yeah, that, that was terrifying. <laughs> Vasquez, on his own, jukes the guy, 
loses his shoe and the guy i think just has to go down for a bruised ego there because he, he's complaining that his ankle hurt or something yeah he stopped that. the game yeah. so I, was, I was screaming play on i think moreno said to stop it and then they know the, the ref the ref blew that one dead because the guy was down on the ground over on the other side <laughs> he did plus his whole ass screaming shoe. to play on <laughs> yeah kubo blast to the head yeah i need to make uh <laughs> I need to make a gif of that. Just, <laughs> just drop the sound from the old Unreal tournament where it's just the disembodied voice going headshot. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, well, yeah, Jonah, thank you for joining us for for headlines here. This is lovely. It's, it's been an honor. It's been more than headlines. It's been so much more. It's been everything. <laughs> Are we all going to be at the Open Cup? I, will I don't think I'm going to make it, Kevin. I can't make it. I I will be there. Fuck me. I'll I'll still probably watch it. So. <laughs> well, uh, Chief, I hope no one immediately tries to sit in your seat five times in a row. <laughs> Who's never sat in first financial? Like, no, nah, I'm pretty sure this is my seat. I'm like, let's see it. Nope, you're two nope. sections over. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow I was able to figure this out, and nope. you were not. Just uh, me blocking it. everyone's view while this guy awkwardly collects his nachos, his beer, and his kid. <laughs> Come on, we he have almost, to move to poor seats. Yeah, he almost spilled beer on that child. Um, but yeah, you may or may not see Opie on Wednesday. Ooh. You won't. You won't. But, uh, <laughs> but you might. <laughs> you might. You won't. But you might. All right. God bless. God bless FCC. First place. Forever. Forever. <laughs> First-ish place. Yeah, I mean, tied on I, points I, is awkward to say over and over again, but it's first place to me, damn it. In goal goal difference, who cares? It's too early in the season. Basically the same thing. Although I I don't know about you guys. I've I've been doing the uh uh the math of like, yeah, of course we're at the top. And no, you don't do points per game just because LAFC has only played nine games or whatever it is. Uh Columbus crew was off this weekend, but now our bye week is coming up and we're we're the revs i assume are gonna are gonna keep moving ahead and we're gonna be that fan base going no you know points per game though we're pretty high game up in there. hand game in hand well <laughs> lafc no longer um yes. no longer has that game in hand advantage so they're six points behind us they have two games in hand because but since they lost to uh san jose last weekend you know just winning those two games just catches them up to us on points it doesn't, you know, jump us anymore. Because so that was yeah. a big, that was a big result for us. As as if you've, I've heard it once, I've heard it a thousand times. It's who's in first place in May seventh, really dictates the entire season going forward. It's pretty much locked it up right then. Now, what's a good weekend for table watching, as it were? Uh, Seattle lost to Sporting Kansas City in embarrassing fashion. Sporting Kansas City, I think, had first one of the year. Yeah, they'd scored two goals all year and scored two against Seattle at Seattle, uh, which They've was been nice. so bad that people are talking about seriously talking about Peter Vermees getting fired, even though he just got a massive contract extension in February that apparently he turned down an interview with the U.S. men's national team 
to sign oh. that extension with Kansas City. Oh. <laughs> and they've been terrible. Maybe maybe you reassess a, a mutual parting of ways if he couldn't And get. I think he's one, <laughs> I could be wrong about this, but I think he's one where he's like the coach and GM. He absolutely is. Yeah. yeah. So he doesn't have anybody to blame for, he can't like blame like, oh, I have bad players, you know, because yeah. he picked the players. No, the um the thing that has sort of dogged them the last couple of years is their DPs are always hurt. Um, but I mean, availability is a skill and the number one ability. They're not doing it. Um and yeah, uh the St. Louis match was abandoned during due to weather. So I don't know how that is reflected on the table. I don't know if they give them a placeholder draw. The organizers of the flying pig are like, huh? You can do that. that? (laughs) Safety? What? Bizarre decision in Cincinnati. No, but um, is there anything else we want to touch on with this game? Another sellout. Uh, Uh, There is something I want to touch on about this game, and it came up during the broadcast, and I think it's worth mentioning right Mm, here is that mm -hmm. in the first half of this broadcast, the commentary team uh, was talking about sitting down with Pat Noonan. And they'd obviously, because, you know, learn from Mike Watts, and if you've watched sports at all, you know that the broadcast team usually gets some availability with the head coach go before a match begins in the days leading up. I think now they do it on Zoom conference calls or whatever. But the primary topic of conversation, or one of the primary topics of conversation, was Yerson Mascara and his great play to start the year. And for the first time I've seen reported anywhere, I think, the broadcast team seemed pretty certain that Mascara's loan to Cincinnati can be terminated by Wolves at the end of the first six months. And in fact, they went so far as to say that in their conversations with Pat Noonan, Pat Noonan is now of the mind that they fully expect Mascara to be recalled by Wolves uh, ahead Oof. of the summer transfer window. So everything I'd read on our side, even as recently as like last week, maybe with Laurel Failer saying that the extension of the option is a no brainer. Mascara will be here for the full year. I, unless I've missed it. This was the first time I've seen anyone say that Wolves have the option to terminate. Uh, and it's not an FC Cincinnati option on this loan. and. You could usually write it aside as, well, you know, maybe they don't fully know all the details of the team they're covering. But when they add in the thing of, you know, Pat Noonan has said to us directly, we expect to lose him over the summer. That raises my eyebrow a little bit. Yeah. The the uncertainty around the option, which I believe was reported and talked about as FC Cincinnati's option yeah. since he was signed. It goes back to my comment about, you know, British transfer agreement. There's it always seems like if there needs to be something that we don't like know about the terms of the option that, you know, makes it not exactly as it was reported. Yes. Those conditions are going to exist. So, like, <laughs> you, you can just you can just never know how these are going to work as a fan until you actually see. What happens with the option? Right. Like you can never be sure that we have an option to extend mascara. You know, it's, I mean, it's, it's, oh, not, it's, it's also yeah. like you, Yakubo is still fucking here. 
Right. right. When and everyone everyone agreed that last year was Yuya Kubo's last year in Cincinnati, and then all of a sudden the man is back at training. And, well, it turns out there was some additional option that triggered by playing time or what have you. And I'm convinced that Yuya Kubo is still going to be here 10 years from now. And that there's just some rolling option that Nightcamp signed him to that we can never be rid of. But your point is dead on. It makes following the sport so goddamn frustrating yep. that these contracts aren't known. Every other sport, baseball, football, basketball, when a player gets signed, there's a big report of, oh, this is the deal. And then a week later, the terms of the contract are disclosed to everybody. And all of a sudden we know, oh, he only made this much guaranteed money or the thing is only for this. So there's only these incentives. And I can't stand in this league that they are so opaque with contracts. It just, it's, it's infuriating as a fan. Well, we it's- had three players who were reported to be on option years last year. Uh, Kubo, Baji, and I forget the third Kenneth one. Vermeer. Kenneth, Kenneth Vermeer. Vermeer. Oh yeah, yeah that's the who the is most still on the team. <laughs> on the team. Yeah. So, <laughs> but so those guys were all reported as options, and I don't think that our that our reporters that cover the team are going to say without qualification that these players have only options for 2023, unless somebody told somebody from the team told them that directly. Yeah. Okay. But then the news comes out that um, of whose options are being exercised and they list a bunch of players. They don't list these three players. They're just like included in the list without any further comment of players who are going to be on the team in 2023. And this isn't like against Baji or Kubo necessarily. Right. Right. But it's like, there's no way that at least I find it very unlikely that at their last year's salaries and based on their contributions to the team last year, that Chris Albright would have intentionally exercised an option to bring those two players back at their salaries. Right. Like I would see them. I could easily see them both coming back on reduced numbers. If, yeah. if they were willing to do that. But Kubo's, yeah, on, then, Kubo's on a bought down DP contract and he's yes, barely yeah. averaging like two minutes a game when he's healthy. Yes, it's a problem. And that's where the the salary dump that we're expecting any day now, I guess, any week now from the uh, the players union, to be clear, but, that this is the ones who drop it. That but, doesn't help. It just tells no, you the number. No. I mean, that's like. The no, right. it'll tell you for Baji and Kubo, maybe some insight as to what their contract situation was, because if there's on the same or a very similar number to what they were last year, that tells you that FCC didn't read their contract very well like i don't know what they were doing they didn't expect them to be here now if they sign new deals on reduced salaries then that's different and they would have announced that though they would have announced a new deal so i think they're going to be back on numbers that are a little bit higher than what they were on last year because options are (laughs) usually options usually that's brutal options usually have a little bit of a raise built in right you wouldn't have an option at way less money unless it was like a mutual option or something but you know what I don't, what I don't understand? Weird. What I don't understand about any of this is that this is sort of the game within the game of pro sports. And there is an entire industry of reporting 
that exists in other sports leagues that drives content, page clicks, and fan engagement over contracts, roster building, fans being invested in what their team is doing, how things fit in the cap, what do we have the cap room for? It drives the, like the NFL, the free agency period during the NFL, it's nothing but people who are talking about cap numbers and creating cap space. The fact that MLS just is like, nah, we would prefer that that content not exist and not have our fans give the ability to engage with this or give reporters ways to write stories and get page clicks. It's, it's, I don't understand what the benefit for the league is of keeping this all so cloak and dagger. I don't get what they're getting out of it. That's the piece that that throws me off as well. Like who is being protected by keeping the terms of the loan agreement secret? Like was, was wolves turning down better offers than us. And they don't want those other teams to know that they agreed to a, a worse deal quote unquote with, an MLS team like it's just nothing makes sense like it's it's a contract it's not like gam totals where the league can fake it it's like this contract exists like all of the parties involved are going to be bound by it just tell us just tell us if it's FCC can pay a million dollars to keep him for the rest of the year or tell us if this is exclusively down to wolves staying up or going down or whatever the 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 verbiage is because yeah like it exists and we are all going to be playing by this rule I don't know there's nothing to protect other than I don't know intrigue like I don't so know. <laughs> I think now that it seems more likely that it's not a unilateral option to keep him the rest of the season. Yeah. It kind of underscores how desperate we were to bring any center back in. And like, obviously Mosquera is a great center back. He's not just any center back. Yeah. But there was no option to buy, which almost all loans into MLS include an option to buy. I was was noted at the time. Yeah. Yeah. That was noted at the time that like generally that's required, but they didn't require it this time. Um, And then knowing that the only guarantee we had, no matter how much we wanted to keep him the whole year was through June 30th and Albright still brought him in shows that like, he really, really <laughs> struck out on filling the center back room. Yeah. And, and, and we're not in a yeah. good position with center backs. I mean, looking looking at how like Miazga has played every minute of the regular season so far, Ian Murphy, our first backup center back, got toasted. Yep. He got toasted immediately. Uh, even He was playing left back. But that's also supposed to be a position he can play. Yep. Um, and, you know, DC, I was like kind of surprised how deep they are at the center back position. So they had, they started Paulson, Derek Williams, and Donovan Pines. Um, Paulson, they got from Schalke last year. Derek Williams um, started like 20 games for LA Galaxy last year. Hmm. Donovan Pines is like a young up and coming American player. He's got I think, a couple of caps yeah. for the, na- for the men's national team in like January camp. Um, Williams only started because Steve Birnbaum got hurt. That's right. But I- Steve Birnbaum got hurt and they were able to bring in a guy 
who started 20 games for a playoff team last year at center back. And they had another guy unused on the bench who they paid, uh, they, they paid, they, they brought in a Brendan Hines, Ike, they brought him in from a Belgian team and paid like $800,000 for him to come in. And he's like a, you know, he's got a North of half million dollar salary and he was an unused center back sub. So like they get yeah. like five guys who you could, who were available and viable, op- not four guys who were available, but when they're healthy, they have five guys who are viable options to play at center back. Would they uh, give they us lost- one for Kubo? They lost Andy Nahar, I think, in warmups, and their yeah. their backup for right back was Ruan, who started thirty games for Orlando last year. Yeah, a very good player. It's so I'm absurd. Cu- I'm, I'm curious. There's so many moving parts to this that are fascinating to me. If the loan really is structured this way, the first question I have to ask is: Has Yerson Mascara just grossly overperformed what the expectations were? And that when they loaned him here, there wasn't even a thought that he would play his way back to Europe within this calendar year. And that his play has been of such a high level that Wolves have been like, oh, we'd like him back right now for next year. Was there an expectation that Wolves were going down and that they salvaged their season? They're now, I think, pretty clear the relegation zone. I think they're 10 points clear at this point. Um was that a factor here that was an unknown thing where they thought, oh, well, they're going to get relegated and it's not going to be a big deal to have him for the entire year? Um, or the other thing, too, that's interesting about this is that so we Grayson was a big proponent of pushing this position of we need to go acquire a backup center back. And the the primary transfer window, preseason transfer window, why aren't we getting a backup center back? Why aren't we getting a backup center back? Well, it, it turns out the answer might be that they're saving the budget to go buy a starting center back in the summer and buying the reserve now. Like if you imagine the money is like a pie chart of 100%, if you spent like 25% of that on a backup right now, that limits by definition what your shopping list is in the summer. Versus if you have to buy a starter, you might want the entire pie chart available and then use whatever the remainder is to buy the best available backup versus Mm. ending up in a situation where you spent too much on the backup and now your starter isn't the quality and caliber that you need. You end up with the worst of all worlds. I like that theory and that that makes sense. But I mean, to go back to your first point, Mosquera being this good was by no means a guarantee. He was coming off two pretty crazy injuries. And if his season had gone the way of Arias, kind of would have made sense, you know, just constantly battling injuries and always being a backup. So the fact that we even got a starting caliber center back out of him for as long as we have, I think is surprising. Which makes you wonder, what was the original plan? Was it Ian Murphy in that left center back spot? Was was that the plan? And then hope Mosquera is the guy that you're signing? Because, man, that's wild. And, yeah, I mean, if Mosquera leaves, we almost need to bring in three center backs? Like, that's a lot of shopping At to least do. two. Yeah. Because we, need, replace we need one. Yeah. We need another one anyway. In my opinion. Yeah, we need one right now. 
Yeah, so with him going, yeah, you need two starting center backs, starting caliber center backs immediately. I mean, well, you he's one, one locked in starter and one center back to maybe is it at least good enough to push. And you're going to yeah. probably want one of them to be from the league, which I mean, they did just get a big pile of gam from selling that international spot uh, a couple weeks ago. So yeah. I think they probably have some tricky Don fun bucks to play with for that. But I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if so they're going to have a U22 spot open, I think a YDP spot open. I think we're all in agreement that the YDP spot has to be another striker to replace Brenner. Especially yeah. with the specter of Vasquez potentially turning his mm-hmm. season around at some point, but unless they really think that they've got some like Talis Magno level U twenty two player, but right. I just am, am doubtful that 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 that's out there. I would wouldn't surprise me to see their U twenty two player be a center back at this point, especially someone if they're looking to buy if they're looking to need a reserve center back or someone that can grow into the role, go get someone young. I don't know. But that that threw me like legitimately because I was operating under the assumption, like I think we all were, that at the very least they've got Yerson Mascara for the year. And that blows a hole, an enormous hole in what's been the strength of this team so far. Because the yeah. offense isn't producing flat out. Not at the level that was expected. And you're about to lose Brenner, which, you know, changes significantly the rotation, the playing time of everybody involved. And now you're also talking about losing from the back line a strength in June. Albright's job this summer Hmm. is enormous, not just for the future of this club, but just keeping things together for this year. Yeah. And you get to the point there, you're making so many changes. How does the team gel together down the stretch? And yeah, you don't want to be learning new new center back pairings and strike partnerships, you know, going into the playoffs and, and guys are still figuring each other out. Why so, weren't we in for Kamal Miller? I, I don't Montreal know. paid Miami to take him. <laughs> This is a guy who played, he's a world, he's, he was, he's Canada's like starting center back. I think he's been an MLS all-star. Yeah. He's a very good player. And Montreal paid Miami to take him. (laughs) You could have had him for like, you could have had him so cheaply. Like, I just shocked that, that, that unless Miami, unless Montreal was insistent that like, no, we're going to, we really, really just, we really want to pay Miami to take this really good center back off our hands. Maybe they're doing the player a solid. He wanted to go to Miami. I don't know. Maybe, but it's not his choice. He's an internal MLS transfer. Right. Yeah. It's the one time where the the traditional soccer rules of the player doesn't move unless they want to don't apply to these internal moves. And that's where you can go get center back depth and things like that. And it's a little I guess, easier. I guess the answer is, is you just, you, it was like you said earlier, when we were talking about just tactics, like it turns out Pat Noonan's really smart and he probably figured out that the right side was a black hole on his own. It's Albright. You know, we were talking about this earlier on the discord. Whenever this team has needed a player, like really desperately mm-hmm. needed someone to fill a role, the guy we've gotten has been the exact right person for the job. But we needed a defensive mid to protect the defense on this team. Wobodo was the exact right guy that we've needed. We needed a center back last year. Matt Miazga on a TAM deal where they waited Chelsea out was the exact right person for what this team needed right there. Turns out 
Sergio Santos yeah. was kind of an eyebrow raising move at the time. That's checkers instead of ch- uh, chess instead of checkers. It turns out, sir, where would this team be right now if they hadn't gotten Sergio Santos last year and had him available for the start of this year? So I hate appeals to authority as an argument form, but at this point, you just got to trust that Albright's he knows what's ahead of him and you got to trust that he's got ideas for what to what to do going forward. Yeah. yeah. And, I, you know, I, I do think he's he knows what he's doing and could, we could easily look back at the end of the season and say. You know, he did a really nice job with 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 the roster and making sure that they were able to you know go through the whole campaign and contend for supporter shield, contend for home playoff spot, contend for leagues cup open cup, you know, and he navigated that really well. But right now it feels like it's the team for as good as it's been feels like it's held together with like scotch tape Mm -hmm. and that there's, that there's a number of places on the field that if they have a failure in that spot, like Barrial goes down for a couple of games, Lucho goes down for a couple of games um, you know, Brandon gets called to, I know he's not, I know he's only got two goals, but like if Brandon gets called to gold cup and Brenner's already at Udine, Udine, uh, what's the plan at striker? You know, if Muscara gets hurt, if Miazga gets hurt, if freaking Haglund gets hurt, yeah, you know, like it just feels like we're, we are, we are close to a little bit of bad luck torpedoing the entire season. And that didn't need to be the case. Yeah. But obviously, obviously it's not the case now and they're doing great. They're top of the table and it's only a problem until it's a problem. It's also, it's also a problem. That's a lot of places in MLS. Like there are a lot of rosters in MLS that if you scratch too deeply at any one spot that you find problems pretty quickly. And I mean, not for nothing. One of the, we talked about it earlier. One of the reasons it's a problem is that you're paying Yuya Kubo, I imagine, you know, over a million dollars to be a two, a two to five minute guy at the end of matches. And it's like you would you could break that salary in two, and that's two really high quality backups elsewhere on the field. Yeah. Um, Baji so, getting, what, 550 if he's somewhere around there? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're looking at almost $2 million in salary between those two. And that was the problem last year was that there were bad contracts on the books they were getting rid of. They've slowly worked through a lot of the bad contracts and Kubo is another bad contract to work through. And then, you know, hopefully you work the magic and you see what Albright's got up his sleeve, but it's a tall, tall order for him. If he's going to be looking at losing his best defender and on paper, his best attacker, ahead of the July window. But like yeah. you had, you had Moderita coming off the books. Mm-hmm. That was like $800,000. You had Tyler Blackett coming off the books. That was like $800,000. Jeff Cameron was making close to $400,000. I assume at least a million of that went to Santiago Arias, who can't see the field currently. Yeah. So it's possible a million of that went to Santiago Arias. Um, and if that's where if that's where it went, it's where it went. Right. If the salary chop uh, comes out and he's under five hundred thousand dollars, there's still a lot of money under the cap is not accounted for. You know. Yeah. Vasquez but is we'll new see. deal as well. I don't think we've gotten an exact. Yeah, Vasquez number. is new deal. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, and like I said, keep an eye out for that uh, 
players union salary dump. It'll be it'll be informative there. Um, all right. Well, before we get out of here, and I didn't realize we had been going as long as we had. I've been having so much fun being back on the pod with you guys. Uh, let's talk a little bit of New York City FC Open Cup preview, and then uh, we'll we'll call that a podcast. So. All right, Open Cup. We're back at it this weekend. We're at home, at least, so nobody has to go play on a uh, a terrible baseball field. Uh, we know Don Garber hates when the Open Cup is played on on poor surfaces, so really lucky that New York City FC I, wasn't hosting this one. <laughs> I do want to, if we're going to talk about the Open Cup, I do want to start with that. because Let's do it. Okay, so that was, uh, was midweek. It was the U.S. Soccer Federation's meetings. And they have a public period of the meetings, and then they have a private period of the meetings. And Don Garber went out of the way, and what was everyone understood and knew was the public portion of the meetings to kind of low-key shit all over the U.S. Open Cup as a process. Like, that was like the most public criticism I've heard from MLS about the Open Cup, basically of the idea of it's not a good product. It doesn't reflect soccer well in this country. Uh, to be seeing games that are poorly attended, um, being played on substandard playing surfaces. And to some part of his comments, it was almost like, well, look in a mirror a little bit. You know, FC <laughs> yeah. Cincinnati ran out a 15-year-old playing striker, and it's hard to tell anyone that they care about the result of a match when they're playing a kid that's still, you know, taking geometry. So <laughs> to a certain extent, get your own house in order with the fact that most of these MLS clubs do not care about the open cup and view it as an actual impediment to what they're, what they're doing elsewhere in yeah. a season. But that was pretty shocking to me to see the commissioner of MLS just directly go after the cup that way. I had always heard rumors that MLS, the organization, not necessarily individual coaches or teams, but the organization hates the open cup and would like to, either kill it off ideally or even go just non-participation or maybe non-playoff teams participate in it in the future because they just don't respect it and they don't control it. They don't run it. Um, they don't profit off of it. They don't get the money uh, from the broadcast rights anymore, especially now that they're separate entities. Uh, previously, U.S. Soccer had negotiated all of their deals in tandem with MLS. Now that they're separate, we might see this more and more. But yeah, I'll say, you know, as a, as a soccer fan in this country, it's disappointing to see that. Like, I think the Open Cup absolutely needs to be criticized in a number of places. And Chief, we could spend all all podcasts talking about the various tweaks and changes and updates that would do that that tournament well. Um, but yeah, it was disappointing to see the commissioner basically saying, we'd really like it if this was much better or didn't happen at all. So disappointing. It is what it uh, is. But I mean, um, also, you're talking yeah. about a tournament that's being broadcast on Bleacher Report. So it's not like they've got a lot of a leg to stand on in terms of we're doing our best. It was no knock on clear. Mike Watts. I love the Mike yes. Watts broadcast. Big fan of Mike Watts. It you was only Don Garber yeah. was like on the board of U.S. soccer that runs yes. the Open Cup. Yes. <laughs> and to be clear, it, it was under his leadership that it got to this point. And MLS teams absolutely could be fined for not fielding a uh, a full team. Or how many MLS teams 
pivot open cup games to lesser fields. Like Columbus crew used to play their open cup games in university of Akron's uh, soccer stadium, which I think sits 750 people. Um, and we've seen that a thousand and one times we've done it when we were in USL, we did that. Um, so yeah, that was, uh, I don't know if we did it so in USL. We did. We did. Played it yeah, we did. field against DC, uh, Detroit city. Okay, we were USL then. Okay, okay. Yeah. I, had to, I had to think about it for a second. But yeah, like we've absolutely done that as well. So if there are ways to get around that, so be it. Also up the prize pool. I believe Open Cup's prize pool is much is larger than MLS Cup winners, but the way they divvy up the pot is very weird. It's very strange, very strange. Um, so if we're going to win it, <laughs> well, it's going to come down to this New York City FC game uh, at home. I think we're still anticipating a heavily rotated roster for this one. Is there, I don't know, is there any player in particular we've got our eye on in this one, Chief? Brenner. Um, Brenner? I think that if he's healthy, which I don't know, I guess we'll find out this week when training happens as to the extent of his injury, although... They said he was walking around a little better in the locker room, I think was the consensus mm-hmm. from the pool report. Um, if he's healthy, I'd love to see Brenner get a run to get his legs back a little bit and get into game shape, get like a 40, 50 minute run in this match. They've got an interesting opportunity here. Pat Brennan was talking about this in his column that they don't play on Saturday. So yeah. they're going to go. The starters for this team are going to go. What, 10 days between matches? 11 days between ma- uh, between matches? No, a, a week. Well, it depends if they play on Wednesday. Depends if they play on Wednesday. So just assuming yeah, that there's a rotation. There's 10 days between... or No, 11 days. 11 days. So I don't know. Like, it is an opportunity where you can give your starters some run in this game, and then they still have a week until they need to be ready to play against Montreal. So the usual issue of, like, fixture congestion isn't much of a concern here so i don't know i kind of agree with pat like if new york city is going to rotate i know they don't know that you don't start some of the starters in this game and see if you can't pop off to a one two goal lead against the reserves from nycfc because they have to play red bulls in their big rivalry game on saturday so there might be an opportunity here to just to sneak into the next round against a team that doesn't give a shit what the outcome is yeah i i could see that grayson is it dumb to want to win the open cup is that if that's their one tournament that we win this year we calling this a successful season yeah because columbus was a franchise for like seven years before they won a trophy and their first trophy was the open cup so we still are in our window to get a trophy before columbus did in their existence in mls I think so, including the New York City game, we only need to win five games, right? To win so, the title. Yeah, yeah, it's the it's the easiest path to CCL. Mm-hmm. Um, and it based on your number of games you have to win. And it's older than any other trophy that we could win, and that counts for something. But I don't think you go a full starting lineup. I think like there's definitely some regular starters that you could you could roll with to start the game. Yeah. And Brenner pending injury is one of those. Vasquez. But yeah. Just because he think, needs it. 
But I think also you you plan to bring in like if you, let's say you start you rotate at defense. I think you can plan to bring in though like your starting defenders earlier than you would have against Louisville. Cuz my I think that the issue you run into knowing that NYC is going to have it may rotate and is going to have their starters available to them is if you don't pop off if you start a full first team first choice lineup and you don't pop off in the first 60 minutes then you have guys who played on short rest playing against fret new NYCFC's fresh starters coming in you know at the 60 70 mm-hmm. minute and potentially extra time and i want to have so i think you have to think about what what kind of team do you want to end the the game with and what kind of team would you be comfortable going into into extra time this this does bring with. up like who when they exchange lineup cards does one team do it first or do they do it simultaneously like, do we get a chance to see who NYCFC is starting before we submit our lineup cards since we're the home team? Is there that'd be nice? Is there some advantage to that? Because that would that would change the math significantly on that. I would I would absolutely love that. I I do wonder if I think it's fair to say we're we're gonna rotate pretty heavily on this team. Although you can definitely see the argument for for a couple of strategic starters to start this one to to get an early lead and see the game out. At what point in the Open Cup do you start your first run team and you start rotating potentially league games? Do you ever do that if you're in FCC spot at the top of the table? If you're in contention for Supporter Shield, I don't think you do it. I think like the go for it is when you're sitting around fourth or fifth place. Yeah. And like, especially if you're like, you know, comfortably playoffs maybe home playoff game, but it seems like you're not going to catch those guys. That's the problem too, is that like, to me, it's like reasons to go for the open cup. In addition to everything Grayson said, it feels fitting in this town just because of the memories that we all have. Yes. That the open cup put this team on the map a little bit. Yes. Um, it feels like a trophy we should win and that we should care about and that we should go for. But by the same token, I wonder if you dosed Pat Noonan with some truth serum if he wouldn't say, you know what, we have a roster like Grayson saying that has some depth issues. We got to give guys time off. Miazga definitely needs time off with the amount that he's played. Just get this done. We're already going to have fixtures, more matches this year than any other year because of the League's Cup as well. Just bow out of this tournament and let's focus on the season. Start Yerson, though. If he's gone June 30th, might as well get as much use out of him as a good exactly. point as you can. Um, maybe but also, maybe he fucks up so badly in the open cup that it causes wolves to think twice about recalling the loan. But but also um knowing Yerson's gone June 30th and they're not gonna be able to replace him for a bit. And they're not gonna and they're probably not gonna have a striker for a good chunk of the summer. Do they really think they're gonna win supporter shield? Or do they think, like, that's the thing? Like maybe we have a better shot at the Open Cup over the Supporter Shield. And I mean, I would take Supporter Shield. There's a lot more. There's a lot more questions and yeah. contingencies around it, but 
Yeah, I think I'd rather have the open cup than supporter shield. I don't know. I'm an, Amer- right. I'm an American through and through. Like the idea of winning <laughs> supporter shield, but then not winning MLS cup. That is just it's it would be like Patriots fans crowing about the 16 and 0 season where they didn't win the Super Bowl. Like that's neat. Yeah, that's a fun thing, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. Bruins just did that in the NHL, set the the all time regular season record and then bounced in the first round. Nobody remembers that that Golden State team that set the NBA record for the regular season. The only thing people remember from that season is the Warriors blew a three one lead. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm with you. I want to win an open cup. And Grayson, I I completely agree with you. They've got to be looking at this roster thinking. Like, yes, it's great that we're here now. There's no way we sustain this with the losses that are anticipated coming up. Unless and, yeah. unless they really got, you know, a bunch of stuff lined up for July 1st and we just don't know about it. And if they do, they can leak it to us and we can tweet yeah. about it. <laughs> or they can leak it to us and then I'll just keep it to myself. Yeah, that's also that's true. true. What we really need to do is we need to really whip the fan base into a panic that this is all about to collapse. And then we go to the club and say, hey, there's a lot of chatter in the fan base about how that this team is in trouble. So do you want to let us know what the plan is so we can calm them down a little bit? That is how things normally go. But then like Brennan, Pat Brennan gets the uh, gets the scoop on that one. So <laughs> which is sort of uh, countdown clock of like days since Chris Albright said, we're going to have news about <laughs> about a new signing soon we need another tommy g interview on the patio that's where real news gets broken yeah that's that's where the good stuff is um all right well then just generally because we obviously have no clue who will be playing in this game one way or the other fcc or new york city either way uh do we feel good about this one do we think we're, we're good we're bleh, gonna win this one do we care about this result? I'm not going to ask for a prediction, but I'm no, just... I'm going to give you a prediction. We're going Ooh. to win this game two to one. I love that prediction. I'll go two nothing. I'll go one nothing because this FCC team is going to win games one to nothing. Yeah. <laughs> one goal wins. It's an entire season of one goal wins. <laughs> we'll win the supporters shield with a plus five goal difference or something. <laughs> oh man. Well, I think that does it for a postcast. Um yeah. Thanks for letting me back in, guys. I uh it was funny. You changed the password on me and you had hidden my my keyboard and the mic wasn't working, but no, we're good. We got I this also back sh- up and running. Shamelessly begged for sponsors in the uh the, <laughs> the end of the episode that no one listens to. Oh no, it was good. I also I do want to say, Grayson, I had not listened to the episode when in the Discord I was talking about how uh Jeff Cameron's career is Brendan Aronson's ceiling, and then listened to the pod and realized you'd made the exact same point. I felt like a real fraud. <laughs> As we all know, Kevin doesn't listen to other people talk soccer because it might taint his own understanding of the game. That is true. I try to keep a pure mind here, which is to say very ignorant. So you and Ed Sheeran can be best buddies. (laughs) And on that note, fuck Columbus.
All of the music in this podcast was done by Jim Trace and the Makers, an amazing local Cincinnati band. You can find more information about them in the description of this episode. Also, be sure to check out The Post Cincy at thepostcincy.com. That's where we're posting our written content. You'll find a wide range of content there posted regularly. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating or review on your favorite podcast app, or better yet, share this episode with a friend, a family member, a fellow FC Cincinnati fan, somebody you think might enjoy this content, please send it on over uh, to them. We would really, really appreciate that. And if you haven't done so already, we do have a Discord server. Feel free to drop in and join the conversation happening there. Again, links to that can be found on the website or in the description of this episode. Thank you so much for listening.